And here comes Milwaukee. Forbes another three. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, you might uh, not recognize the first voice coming to you, but this is Hot Take Harry. Uh, LJ is not available today, so I will be hosting. Very excited for this. Uh, and we're doing something a little different tonight. We have our first crossover pod on the Random Scrub Heat podcast. We are here uh, with Playbook Sports Network, and joining us is Jordan Alfasa. So, Jordan, tell the people how you're feeling today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Jimmy Butler got me worked up last night, so let's let's rock. All right. Well, we, we will get into the Jimmy Butler topic, but uh, also with us today is our guy Alex in the basement, Bubba. Uh, how you doing today, Alex? We're doing pretty good. The Heat are actually finding a stride right now. Last, like, whatever, week, it's been more fun than it has been all season long. But, hey, I'll always appreciate beating the Knicks. I will always appreciate Jimmy Butler going off. I will always appreciate that. I think in terms of a regular season win that doesn't include maybe like maybe a team you have to beat in, in the standings or something, beating the Knicks is probably by far one of the most satisfying victories. It doesn't really matter what the records are. Um, it probably helps that the Heat are actually behind the Knicks and really needed that game last night. So um, the Heat won last night, 127-120 at home. Uh, it was a Jimmy Butler Masterclass, an absolute masterclass. I want to give you guys some stats before we get into uh, Jimmy Butler's greatness. So since the All-Star break, 15 games, which is a pretty decent sample size, Jimmy's scoring 26.3 points per game, uh, 6.3 rebounds per game, 5.3 assists, 1.6 steals. This is being done because those are good numbers. I mean, 61% shooting from the field. 53% 53% shooting from three, 85% from the line, uh, and 72% true shooting percentage. I apologize for that. My dog has gone crazy and decided to knock over. <laughs> so he's obviously very excited about Jimmy Butler as well. Hopefully he won't come back. <laughs> um, all right, so that was fun. Uh, but so what do you guys think of those numbers? Obviously, uh, my dog Finnegan's quite excited about Jimmy Butler. What are you guys thinking about Jimmy and this stretch since the all-star break? Jordan, we'll go with you first. You can tell that when Jimmy Butler has got that swagger, like he's just talking. I can, I can curse, right? When he's talking shit after every point, even the easiest points, you know, you got Hemi Butler not that Jimmy stuff. I hate how he said playoff Jimmy is not a thing. It's most definitely a thing. You know, we got him averaging 21 at the beginning of the season, and now you said 26 on 60-whatever percent shooting. He, The Heat will not miss the playoffs if he has anything to say about it. He said to Dwayne Wade last night, he's like, I'm going to take us to the motherland. I hope he does it. I don't know if they can this year. Actually, they can't this year. But I think with him leading the pack – I think anything's possible. I, I can't believe people wanted to trade him. It made me sick. The only uh, the only thing I was going to say is I I think that this is just like he did kind of admit today, you know, you never know if he's trolling or not. He did the thing earlier in the season where he had eight different hairdos for media day and stuff, and he's always doing something like that. I mean, he's a big troll. He knows that he likes the attention. Um, he kind of mentioned that he wasn't playing. He like 
he started really playing hard and he started to pick it up. So I think, you know, we can, we can make jokes about it, but it's kind of obvious in his play um, watching some of the game last night and then watching the highlights after uh, I don't think there was like a Brunson pass that went by where Jimmy like was not in his eyesight, had a hand on the ball, tipped it in some way, you know, ended up, he had four steals last night. So um, he's a maniac, especially, I mean, you expect Jimmy to score. He's great at hunting for his, his shot and getting into the pain and, and getting to the line, but the defense is really turns it up and where I think, He's one of the better guys in the league. So, Alex, what, what are you thinking about Jimmy's performance recently and obviously last night as well? I think what Jimmy Butler has done these last few years, I think really, I guess, just since the bubble, and maybe it was the bubble that kind of showed him this. I think I kind of have a theory that the bubble revealed this to Jimmy Butler because obviously the pandemic happened, there was time off, and Jimmy kind of came back fresh, rejuvenated, and absolutely dominated in the bubble. And I wonder if that just flipped a switch for Jimmy thinking like, wow, if I am really good to go, when it absolutely matters most, I can go toe-to-toe with anyone. So I think he just decided, you know what, I'm going to coast until around this time, you know, right after the All-Star break, get warmed up, and then we'll see you in the playoffs. And to be honest with you, that had worked two years. Obviously, it worked last year because the team was fine and was the one seed. But to be honest with you, like, this little Jimmy run has, has kind of changed my outlook on the Heat season a little bit. Like, I have been just as vocal as anyone about how the front office should have made more moves, and I still believe that 100%. But at the same time, how this team did not stay afloat and have a top five seed at worst, pushing top four, just waiting for this Jimmy Butler to arrive is going to make me sick. Because when this man is playing at the level he's playing, I I really don't know who I'd take over him. I mean, like, it's up there with Steph, Giannis, Kevin Durant. It's up there with all those guys. Like, those, that's the conversation that Jimmy Butler enters into. And everything you think he can't do, he does. He starts shooting from three. He starts talking crap again. He starts completely locking on the defensive end of the floor. And again, he goes from whatever, 20 points a game to 20, damn near 27 points a game. Like this man, when he is fully engaged and locked in like this, is just as good as any player in the NBA, in my opinion. And, you know, I'm really excited to see him check in now, but let's just be real. Like it's going to be a hard path for them. And I know what he said to Dwayne Wade last night gave me hope. Right. I love it. I love seeing that. Dwayne Wade's the reason why this man is in Miami. I know he wants to win a championship in Miami badly, but man, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough path because as, as good as he plays, man, like the other dudes are just, they're not moving me right now. Bam moved me. Like, I think Bam did his job, not to go on a little tangent here, but like Bam did his job of trying to keep this team afloat till the all-star break and get Jimmy back and get Jimmy into locked in. But just the roster as a whole didn't, you know, maybe it was just some of these guys, Struess, regressing, some of these other players. But, man, seeing Jimmy Butler play like this again, I mean, I, I'm all for this formula. Like, if this is how Jimmy Butler, for the rest of this giant contract he has, obviously people talk about it. If, the, if he's committed to being a heat lifer for the rest of his career and they're not moving him and all this stuff, which I believe will be the case, this is the formula he needs to have. If he can promise me every single time around this time, start of April, yo, I'm ready to go right after the all-star break, we're here, then I think that's a fair, that is a fair task to hand the Heat front office and say, yo, configure a team that can win regular season games and can be, you know, whatever, built to my talents and needs. So that way when we get to playoff time or right after the all-star break, we're ready to go. Because, again, he's up there. He's not, you know, he's got Thibodeau as a coach. He's, what, 33? Is he 34? Right? 33, I think. 33. Yeah. So, obviously, he's got, what, three, four years left on that deal. If this is how Jimmy Butler at 35 and 36 still gives you 
fantastic performances, then do this. Have this be the formula. It's on the rest of the team to figure it out. I want to add something to what both of you said with Harry. When you said that Jimmy mentioned like, oh, yeah, I wasn't playing before. I think Jimmy starts the year off. He knows that he can do this whenever he wants, but he doesn't think that everyone else can do it. That's just my opinion, though. So it's like he wants to force other players and everyone else to step up. If he sees that they can step up, then he knows that they're good. Like last year, he knew that the team as a whole, everybody would play better. So I think that's why the team saw so much success because you didn't really need Jimmy to do all that until the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just like they were they were better built last year to, to sustain injuries. Um, you know, a lot of it was some of it's energy based. Some of it was obviously whatever you guys think about PJ Tucker. He filled a lot of holes for the heat and he did things that we like regardless of what you thought of him and obviously him being unable to shoot really hurt us in the Celtic series. I mean, no one could shoot, but, but him particularly not being able to, um, you know, take a three from the wings and, and hit it. It changed the way the Celtics defended us and kind of led to a tougher series for us, but missing him and not replacing him at all, I think has been the big issue and the difference between last season, regular season and this season. So we're kind of at this point now where, we're trying to figure out what seed this team is going to get, you know, what the matchup's going to be like. I want to ask you guys a question, and Alex touched on it for a little bit. Jimmy's been unbelievable um, two of the last three postseasons, the bubble last year, obviously. It looks like he's turning it up for another um, postseason run. If, if you have a winner-take-all game, uh, game seven, how many guys are you taking before – Jimmy Butler. And let me give you kind of a rundown of what I was thinking, right? Like off the top of the bat, I'll take, I'll take Giannis first. I think he's the best player in the NBA. I still think Steph Curry um, is basically unguardable, even as he's getting older. Uh, I know that team has really struggled on the road this year, but I, I do like Steph. Um, you know, I would take KD if he's healthy, but he has not yeah. really, you know, he has had a very tough season of staying healthy for the last two years now. Um, and I'd probably take Luca because Luca's had some very good clutch games. Uh, but the truth is, I think the I think the, with the way Jimmy plays defense, like those are really the guys that I'm uh, taking before him. I, and and honestly, you can make an argument that like I'll take Jimmy, his craziness, and everything else before all those guys. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I I think that's how good he is. And I also want to just mention that I just think it gets lost because people don't. D defense is something that is tough to be quantified. It's something that people have not really done a good job of explaining how important the two-way player, you know, the elite two-way player is in the NBA and what they can do and how they can flip the game on its head. And so I was wondering your thoughts, like winner take all, um, how many guys you've taken before Jimmy and, you know, does he get enough credit for the player that he is? I think is kind of where I want to uh, transition the question to. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I agree with you on all those names. I would take over Jimmy. I would still take LeBron over Jimmy if LeBron is 100% healthy and engaged and locked in. Um, he's in there with that category of like Embiid. Like people will be like, well, what about Embiid? I would argue that Embiid kind of would defer to Jimmy in Philadelphia, but I can understand that this season Embiid is on a different tear, so I can understand that argument. I can understand Jason Tatum too um, if you want to say you'd rather take him. those That's really it though, right? Like that's that's the whole conversation to me. I'm not – 
I'm not moved. Like I would take him over a John Morant in a playoff series, right? Like that's, I'm not moved by some of these other guys, but listen, Jimmy Butler, man, I, I don't think people understand how much of a disruptor he is. Like he just causes absolute chaos because it's not, it's not even necessarily flashy. Like he does play like an NFL player. He will go downhill to the rim. You're not stopping him from getting it. And like, People want to compare the thing. Well, he lives at the free throw line. He lives at the free throw line like Harden. I think it's a little bit different because the way that Harden would sell contact is not what Jimmy Butler does to me. I think both of them initiate contact in a different way. I truly believe that Jimmy Butler is the most physical player in the NBA outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo moving downhill. Like when Jimmy Butler wants to go to the hoop, he goes to the hoop. Does he get fouled every time? No. There's plenty of times where Jimmy hits the deck and they don't call it. Like it's not – it's not a selling contact thing versus he is such a physical player. And I genuinely believe that 99.9% of NBA players do not match his physicality. And when you get to the rim with him, you just, you whack the shit out of him. And it's just what happens. So I get, I get that. But when he's shooting from three like this and he's expanding his game that way, when he's averaging damn near six assists, when he's playing free safety in the defense and cutting every pass and, you know, jumping every move, this man just makes you frustrating. We saw it with the Knicks last night, like Julius Randle, who has been, Mr. Consistency this year, quietly, gets 25 points a game like it's his job. Julius Randle is physically frustrated the entire game. Um, some of that has to do with Bam, obviously, but Jimmy Butler, man, there's there's nobody quite like him, I genuinely believe, in NBA history. So, I mean, literally, out of guys that I would take with him in a game seven, one-on-one, there's literally those names that you mentioned, and I'd probably throw LeBron and then maybe Embiid and Tatum, but I would argue that I'd probably take Jimmy over both. And I think I think you were trying to get to Alex that he's he's an ethical ball player. He's not he's not selling contact like Harden and Embiid. So you know that that was something that uh, was on Twitter last year. He's he's an ethical. I know people won't, but he is. Um, Jordan, what do you what do you got for me? Feeding off the free throw thing. I remember when the when the rule changed and they were saying, oh, it's going to screw up Harden. It's going to screw up Trey Young. They asked Jimmy Butler what he thought about it, and he says, "Doesn't bother me because motherfuckers really foul me." So we'll take with yep. that again. But so I'm like 95% sure that I'm in love with Jimmy Butler. So there might be a little bias when I say this, but it's either going to be Giannis or a healthy 100% locked in LeBron. And I could argue that I would still take Jimmy over those two, just because when Jimmy is locked in and he's screaming after everything and he's shooting the ball with confidence, you know, last year, he didn't shoot a damn three all season. And then in the playoffs, he was what? Harry will probably know. He's probably like mid 40%. I think he was a little below that, but obviously he was much, much better than the regulars. I think it was around 36, 37. And if you're getting that from Jimmy, uh, and if you're getting that on the team this year, that, that's huge. Like a guy who's able to shoot 36, 37%. You have to respect that shot. But- I think also like the names that people would get at us for, just for being like, oh, like Nikola Jokic. Like, what, what about him? I'm taking Jimmy Butler, bro. Like, I just, I, I am. Like, to be completely honest with you, I think he's accomplished more in the playoffs, but that's just the one name I wanted to throw out there because I know people are going to be like, he's going to win three straight MVPs. Have you not talked about Nikola Jokic? I don't know. I, I, again, he's in that category with Embiid, Tatum, Butler, but I'm, I'm still taking Jimmy, man. He's, he's done this over two out of the three years now where it's just been how have the Heat made it this far? And it's been because of him. But at some point, people have to understand that it's not all about scoring. Like, yeah, the 50-point triple-doubles, they're nice. They're flashy. 
But if you can't defend, it doesn't matter. Jokic can't guard Jimmy. Jokic can't guard Giannis. So it's like at that point, do you want the 40, 10, and 10, or do you want the 35 with six steals and eight and nine? That's how, that's just how I see it. The defense plays a big factor for me. That's why I'll take Giannis, Jimmy, LeBron, and that's probably it. Because when Tatum's off, Tatum's terrible. And just trending towards the Jokic topic a little bit, like this is a big year for him, big year for the Nuggets in terms of like they're going to have a top seed. Um, there's going to be a lot of teams clawing out of the play-in, and they're probably not going to be that afraid of them. I don't think teams are really afraid of like the Nuggets or the Grizzlies, for example. And it's going to be interesting to see like how they perform um, you know, what they can do. Obviously, Murray looks a little better of the year. He's basically two years removed from his ACL injury. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nuggets can do. But I think you're right. I mean, and I think this is something that isn't talked about a lot with Jimmy is that the way that he can change a game defensively um, is a bit more rare than the other guys that you mentioned. I mean, Giannis is a really good defender, so that's why we kind of talk about him. Um, LeBron, when he was engaged, could obviously really change the game. But I think Jimmy's... Um, Engage Jimmy, playoff Jimmy, whatever you want to call it, uh, is one of the better defenders, especially on-ball defenders and even off-ball in the NBA. So we just wanted to start this pot. We wanted to give him his flowers. He's been amazing. Let's just hope he keeps it up. And I want to transition to let's hope guys around him can continue to play well. The shooting's been better since the All-Star break. Um, you know, we were kind of saying, like, it's been 60 games. Can this team really turn the shooting around? It has been better. You've seen a lot more. Um, successful shooting nights from the supporting cast. I saw a stat last night from Anthony Chang. Chang, we love you. You're a great man. Um, I believe in the fourth quarter, Tyler Hero is at, at shooting more than 53s in the fourth quarter of the season. Tyler Hero's number two in the NBA percentage-wise in the fourth quarter. So I want to talk a little about fourth quarter Hero as well as the other guys and the supporting cast. Are there guys that you like more and trust them going into the postseason? Or are you still completely, um, you know, worried about these guys and, you know, supposed rotation or whatever is going to happen? So, Jordan, let's go back to you. What are your thoughts about Heroes fourth quarter clutchness, whatever you want to call it, and the other guys that they really need to step up in the postseason? I am a very big Tyler Hero fan. I don't want my past sponsor to sway anything I'm about to say. Okay, I like Hero. I liked him before I met him. I think he's great. I don't want to trade him. I will trade him. But the fourth quarter stuff, it's like some people just have that edge that it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. But when it's time to lock in, it's time to lock in. And I just think it's hilarious because Eric Reed and Crotty last night, Hero's got eight points going into the fourth quarter. Like, it's Tyler time. Next thing you know, Three layup, layup, jump shot. I'm like, this kid, it's just some people have that instilled in them. It's like LeBron. When it's time to turn up, it's time to turn up. Granted, Hero only does it in the fourth. Sometimes, like last year, it's like he shoots the ball. You're like, oh, he's going to do this all game. He's going to have 40. And then he misses, misses, misses. Fourth quarter comes around back. Tyler's there. Now for the bench, I think the only one I'm probably really confident in is, is – uh, Caleb Martin. Everybody else, they worry me. Max's shooting's too inconsistent. I assume that Gabe Vincent will probably remain in the starting lineup. So if he remains in the starting lineup, I think I really like this Kyle Lowry flip. I want to hear what both of you have to say about that because it, to me it has the same effect as like the Goron switch. So what do you guys got to say about Lowry on the bench? 
I do think that if Lowry is, he's not salvageable and he needs to be moved ASAP, but this is better than him not playing easily. He hit some threes last night. If he can just at minimum do that, like he is so bad at throwing a lob still. I can't believe it. I cannot believe how many times he threw a lob over Caleb Martin's head, one of the most athletic players in the NBA. Like I, I really can't believe it, but he hits his threes last night when it's open. And to be honest with you, Kyle Lowry is not reaching the point where teams don't give a fuck about him and they're disrespecting him. They're sagging off of him. They're, they're ma- waiting for him to make a pass. They don't think he's going to do anything when he has the ball. So if he can just hit his threes and come off the bench and you know really just play his role, that, that's fine for the remainder of the playoffs. I will say this about Hero, because I've been a, a big as a Hero hater as anybody when it comes to the shit. And I, it, does it piss me off that he doesn't do anything for three quarters? 100%. But at the end of the day, you're, you're dealt with the cards you're dealt. And at the end of three quarters, when you've had a bad game, all you can do is go out there and have a good fourth quarter. And that's what he does. So I'm not going to sit here and be the guy that's like, oh, I don't give a fuck that he does really well in the most important parts of the game. Because I think that's a bad take. That you know, he In the most important parts of the game, Tyler Hero hits his three-point shots, which I've always said needs to be the number one part of his game. Because that's what we drafted him to do, space the floor and shoot. Now, is he going to do this in the playoffs? I don't know. But even if he just did this in the playoffs, if Tyler Hero could just remain healthy and continue to hit his big-time threes in the fourth quarter, I think that's a fine recipe for him in the playoffs because I think Jimmy Butler and Bam can have us have the offense be fine for the first three quarters, and I know Jimmy will do his thing in the fourth too. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see a playoff series against the Celtics or the Sixers and Jimmy Butler's carrying every single one of these games, and then Hero wakes up in the fourth. That's not necessarily a recipe for you know a sweep in terms of you know getting swept by Philly. I think we can win games with that strategy of Jimmy Butler's going to drop 40 points and Hero's going to have whatever, a 12-point, 15-point fourth quarter. That's tough for teams to beat, to be completely honest with you. But we need Hero to keep this up because this is one of his few redeeming qualities right now that you can pitch to another team. If you're really about building a championship team around Jimmy Butler, I don't think Tyler Hero is a part of that equation. I, I really don't. I think Bam is a part of an equation where you build around Jimmy or whether you build around the youth. Bam's a part of both. I don't think Hero is. I, I think Hero can be moved. I think Caleb Martin is another guy that you mentioned off the bench who has been fantastic. And I think everyone, no matter what side of Heat fandom you're on, has been saying we would like Caleb Martin back off the bench, backing up Jimmy Butler, where he's extremely effective. Everyone has been saying that. And, man, he's looked fantastic. So Caleb Martin, I trust in big moments, to be honest with you, as a defender. Kevin Love, we really haven't talked about this man at all. He just hasn't been good. <laughs> like, I... I it's not like I expected him to come in and like save the season or anything, but I'll be honest, I, I expected him to be better than this. But maybe, hey, maybe the playoffs come around, he gets used to the system, he can hit his shots. If dudes in the playoffs can just hit threes, man, that is it. That's all we need from y'all except for Gabe. You got to play defense. Hit threes, get a little bit of – maybe there's a depot game in there. Like, I don't know. Jimmy Butler's peddling me this false hope right now, and I've been a hater all season long. I cannot lie. But, man, if Hero hits these shots in the fourth, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that that's not – that's not awesome. It is. But let's be real. The first three quarters, he's terrible, ineffective, and getting picked on. But all you can do after that is ball out in the fourth quarter, and that's what he does. I want to pick up on some of what you guys said. Um, I didn't want to do that to Kevin Love because that guy's literally given his balls and a little bit of his brain for the team over the last few weeks. So, you know, even if it's not um, – even if it's not – even if he hasn't been as effective as we'd hoped, I don't know, man. He's really sacrificing a lot out there. Um, recently married, very pretty, uh, model wife, um, Jewish, by the way, 
Jordan. He's married to a Jewish, a Jewish girl. Um, and so I don't, I didn't want to trash him. I just want to, I, I think simply his ability to space the court, even if it hasn't been going that well is helping the offense. Um, it hasn't been great with him out there, but I didn't want to trash him. The other things you asked and some of the interesting things, right? Big postseason for hero. We've talked about him. We talked about this on the basement a lot. Hero has really not been that good in the playoffs outside of the bubble. And I worry about him because of some of the lower body injuries that he has and how and he's had some trouble with trapping in the postseason. My hope for Hero is that he can play an effective game. To me, I don't care when he scores, for example. If he's efficient or he helps the team win games, that's going to be enough for right now. I think we've all kind of mentioned that at its absolute peak this season, even with everything going well, we kind of see them as a second round exit. So my expectations are not that high. I'm not I'm not saying, oh my gosh, we could really do what we did last year. Or, or I'm not seeing that. I think they, and obviously with the seating, I think they've picked a pretty tough road for themselves. But I kind of like the way the games have been going recently. I like Gabe as the starter. He's had a very up and down season. I wouldn't even say he's been good. But playoff Gabe was good last year, especially because he was a good defender. He controlled the offense. He did not make a ton of mistakes. That's what they kind of need out of the point guard position. And Lowry works off the bench which is kind of what we had been clamoring for since the very beginning of the season on the basement. We said, bring Lowry off the bench. He plays better with these guys. He'll, he'll help with the turnovers. He'll help with some of the scoring. And he's been good since he got back. You know, I, I was saying, I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's playing again. The threes have been going in for Lowry. Um, and you just need a little bit of a spark off the bench. I think we were kind of saying if they're an average bench, it helps them out immensely. They were they were below bottom five tier bench in the NBA. So when you look at this cast, if Jimmy's really taking the reins like that, you hope that Bam's been an elite fourth quarter player this year. Elite, elite. Um, one of the better fourth quarter players in the NBA. Tyler Hero has that clutch gene. You're really basically just hoping that Max can shoot better than the 33% he's been shooting. Caleb can continue to hit some threes. Um, if Jimmy can shoot at all and you just kind of hope that in a grinded out series against a team, like let's say the 76ers who have been known to choke, have some players that choke on the team, arguably like to me, one of the most overrated coaches of all time. I do not care what you think about doc rivers. He is overrated beyond belief. They can probably scare them. I don't know if they're going to win. I wouldn't be putting, um, money on it per se. Um, but I just think like that's something that um, could happen. So let me let me transition from what we think about the bench to what for you guys, right? And be try to be as realistic as possible. What's the best case scenario for this Heat team into the postseason, leading into the offseason? And then what's the worst case scenario for you? Um, Alex, let's go to you first. I think best case scenario is that matchup with Philadelphia, to be completely honest with you. I think this team likes to play Philly. Gabe Vincent likes to play Philadelphia. I think that's a series that we could get kind of like you were talking about playoff game that came out against Philadelphia. That's what we were kind of like, that's what we're looking for here. James Harden's a fraud. Enough said. He's a fraud. Um, Doc Rivers is an absolute champ. Um, has not won anything since 2008, since, you know, the recession, which is insanity. Um, this man is done. He's cooked. He's a fraud. And 
I think the Embiid rulers, you know, rumors are only going to get louder. I have, I would say Heat and seven against Philadelphia, to be completely honest with you. Jimmy Masterclass of a series. Boston, I, I, I've said this half jokingly, half serious on a stream one time that we would beat Boston. I think we'd push Boston to the absolute limit, man. This, this team gets up for Boston. Spolstra has the clear coaching advantage. I, I know that that coach, the interim coach for them, started off hot. Everybody loved him. He got the extension, and Boston's been wavering since. Boston has a knack to explode. The locker room does. Has a knack to explode in the playoffs. Like, there is clear, like, we cannot sit here and say, and I have a lot of Celtic friends, that the Celtics are, like, all sunshines and rainbows over there. We got the Jalen Brown thing looming over them. The fact that Jalen Brown is not, like, confirmed Celtic for life is crazy. Is crazy. Like, there's something going on. Ever since the bubble when Marcus Smart threw a freaking chair across the room, and you could hear it during Brad, Brad Stevens' press conference. Like, Brad Stevens went to the front office. He was, like, this is... This team is weird, man. The Celtics, I think, are one of the weirdest teams out there. I think Milwaukee would kick our teeth in. Um, that I, I, that's the only team that I'm. I think Milwaukee's just way too big for us, and yeah, it's just it is what it is. Like, and, and I think out of all the teams that Jimmy would struggle against, I think it would be them to get to the rim, to want to be as much of his disruptor as he as he wants to be. It would be tough. But um, so again, I, I really think that the dream matchup is Philadelphia. I would take us in seven. The Celtics, I, I think the Celtics would beat us in seven, something similar to last year in Milwaukee. I wouldn't want. I guess it's is it unrealistic to say Cleveland? I don't think we're going to end up. I don't think there's a, a way we we uh, end up playing Cleveland. So and what and what's uh, what's worst case? Scenario oh, the worst case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario is obviously for some people it's the best. I understand that you you'd rather maybe have this team slip, get into the plan, and lose. But I think that's just such a bad look, right? I understand like okay, well if you lose in the plan, you get a lottery pick and have a chance at the top or whatever. But if the Heat want to, I envision the Heat trying to build this around Jimmy and Bam, trying to fix this, trying to get back into that championship window after another strong playoff performance from Jimmy Butler. I don't think they'll go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but just he will show, I'm still here, I'm still that guy, build around me. I don't. I think it's a lot harder to attract a free agent, get a superstar to say, I only want to play in Miami if you you know tail out this season, losing the play-in game. So I would actually say that is the worst-case scenario because you know unless you're telling me Adam Silver's rigging the lottery for us to get a top-three pick, you know, save me the embarrassment and giving us the 12th or 13th pick. I'd rather, you know, push Boston to seven or something like that, to be honest with you. All right, Jordan, best case, worst case for the Heat. Worst case scenario is they're in seven. They lose the first play in, they lose the next one, they're out. That's the worst case scenario because, like Alex said, nobody's going to want to come here. It's embarrassing to the city. The fan base will implode. Jimmy will be pissed. So nothing good will come of it. You can it cannot happen. You cannot. I understand people trust Jimmy Butler in a one game scenario. Do not let yourself get into the plane because you don't know what can happen. It, it doesn't matter. Now, best case scenario is Philly. If we get Philly, I think we got him in six. We beat Philly. That Jimmy's happy. And Bede's pissed, and that might just be the thing to push and be like, you know, I'm out of here. And then the fan base prays, all the graphics come out, and Bede, Miami, hopefully, whatever. We'll both probably do streams on it, both of our networks. Oh, what happens if Embiid comes to Miami? That's the best case scenario. Okay, so man, I, you you guys kind of went the opposite of me. So 
it's not necessarily the best case scenario, but I, I don't think it's not going to happen now based on what's going on. But I didn't think losing the plane was that big of a deal because it, it would have forced the team to really make wholesale changes. And at that point, I think getting a better lottery pick wouldn't have been so bad for the heat. It wouldn't have been my best case scenario, but I, I'm not as down on it as you guys. Um, you know, worst case scenario, I think would be, um, I really don't think Boston in the first round is a good matchup. So I think avoiding the playing game and just kind of hoping that the standing stay as is, like you guys have been saying is right. Um, I don't think Philly's our best matchup. I think we would beat Cleveland. I feel more comfortable against Cleveland if we could jump to the five seed, um, which is possible. It's, it's, it's a little far off, but we do play the Knicks one more time. Um, two games you know, back. Two games back. This game against the Nets on Saturday is like basically. That's fair. Uh, you know, I said it was unrealistic. Oh, I, I don't think we'll play Cleveland. That's just me being, you know, whatever. A hater. It's, saying it's, we're possible, gonna, it's gonna possible. Listen, well, the Heat have won. You bring up a good point. I'd, I would rather. I, I think Cleveland is an easier matchup than than Philadelphia. I'm just terrified of what Donovan Mitchell does to Tyler. Yeah, me too. I was at the, I was at the game, uh, the Friday night game where the Heat won, but Mitchell absolutely tore us to shreds. And he's not my favorite guy to play. He's he's a bit faster than kind of what the Heat defenders can probably do outside of like if they put Jimmy on him the whole game, but that would exhaust him. So I guess, you know, best case scenario for me um, would be like move would be moving up to five, beating Cleveland, and then you're in for just an, an epic I don't they wouldn't win, but it would just be an epic battle against the Bucks in round two. Um I guess I guess nowadays like worst case would be being the seventh seed because I really don't want to face the Celtics in the first round. So if you're telling me that we have a chance to be fifth or sixth, I feel okay in the first round series. I think they'll they'll do the best they can. And I'm hoping, and this is my real hope, I don't know if it's the best or worst case scenario, that whatever happens, this front office realizes that um, it needs to be one of two things. You build the team around Jimmy and Bam, and you find the guys that make sense around them. And it can't, guys, it can't be rotation players fourth through ten who are just like, maybe they're going to show up on a given night. It can't be like that. You need more consistent three and D options in the lineups off the bench around this team. Um, so I hope regardless of what happens, if we get embarrassed in the playoffs, if we end up winning a series and playing really well in round two, that they realize there's things that they have to change, um, that they can use Lowry's contract to, to get some other guys that make more sense in here. And um, that's kind of what I'm hoping going forward hey, guys let's um let's transition for one second and let's just talk about what do you guys want to see um what do you want out of these last eight games what's going to make you feel so alex you're pretty comfortable picking the heat if it's heat sixers you feel comfortable picking the heat i feel like jordan you'd probably come along for that ride what um what's going to make you feel good in these last what do you want to see in these last what are we at eight or nine games to close out the season riding high into the postseason? What do you need to see? Um, Jordan, what, what are you, uh, what are you looking for? I only got two things. I, I don't get too in depth on that. Keep the three point shooting up because when this team shoots threes, they're, they're not a championship contender, but they're a much better team than what we've seen all season. So if they can keep that up, you'll actually be excited for the playoffs. Like, this is the first year in a while. I've missed my first Heat game this year. I haven't missed a Heat game in seven years, and I haven't watched three of them this year. And I haven't been upset about it. So that's just pathetic. But it's like, and I'm like, you know, I want the season over. I don't want to watch the playoffs. But if they're shooting like that and they lose a close series, 
okay, you can live with that rather than them going in the playoffs, shooting 20% from three and getting swept. They're two different things. One's more tolerable than the other. And then the next thing is this defense. Like we, we focus so much on defense, but I feel like teams just blow by us. I don't know how many open layups Julius Randle and all of them got yesterday. Like what happened to that? Help defense, interior defense. They guard the three-point line well. They just hit contested shots. You can't do anything about that, but I don't know. For me, I want us to be peaking at the right time. Like if this is for real, like if if they're really just like, okay, you know, especially Jimmy Butler, like it's just like, you know what, we're going to get there. I don't know. He was talking to D-Wade like – that, that this team was going to make a run or something. Like, I, I don't know if he was just saying, like, oh, period, he was going to get us a championship, which maybe he was, but, like, I don't know. I felt like Jimmy is is trying to just say, like, F it, I'll do it myself. And I want this team in their last eight games win, win like, five or six, bro. Went like, go in there peaking at the right time and be the team that, you know, Boston is avoiding, that Philly is avoiding, that Cleveland's avoiding. And make a push for that five seed, whether you get it or not. But try to get at least that six seed. Try to get the Philadelphia matchup or Cleveland if Cleveland even, you know, wins. But I know Philadelphia is kind of also peaking at the right time. I think, what are they, nine and one in their last ten games? Something like that. So that is a factor, but I'm still taking us. But at the end of the day, man, just just be peaking at the right time. Don't don't go into the playoffs four and four in your last eight or three and five in your last eight. Like, let's let's be – a clear playoff team. And we're facing some good teams like the Knicks, the Mavericks, the 76ers are all on there. Win those games. And then, of course, we've got the next, the Nets game coming up after that or at, before all of that on Saturday. So win against those big time teams and show me that you're, you're here. Maybe there's a run in this team. I don't know. Um, I was just saying that I think it sounded like you were saying that the Heat, um, you know, really need some wins to, to, for some insurance that they're not in the playing game. And speaking of insurance, uh, the primary sponsor of the basement is Simple Health Advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Email them or give them a call. You can reach out to our guy, James Pugh. Uh, that's, his email is jpouGh at simplehealthadvisors.com. Or you can give him a call, 321-345-7738. James is the best. Um, you know, please reach out to him if you have any questions about insurance. I also want to, I just want to add, you know, I work for Playbook Sports. I want everyone to go follow us if you can at Playbook SN. Shout out to my guys, you know, Joey, Zach, Mike, Ray, Task, all of you guys. Like, I appreciate you guys. Come check us out. I know we're just starting, but we're going to, we're going to be a basement suit. We're going to, we're working our way up to you guys. We're working our way up to five reasons. Basement, we want to be like everybody. Just have some fun. No, we appreciate you guys. I've always enjoyed following your stuff. Uh, you know, and here getting a different perspective on the heat, which I think is kind of what people are looking for. They just want good, exciting fan content. Uh, you're just kind of looking for people who, you know, either feel similarly about the team or digest in a way that obviously works for them. So we appreciate you coming on, Jordan. And let's let's end it like this. Um, give me your prediction. We've kind of we've talked around it. We said what we like. Where are the heat going to end up? What happens to the team in the playoffs? Just give me a quick prediction, uh, Alex. We'll, we'll go with you. I think this team's going to end up getting that sixth seed, and I think we're going to end up playing Philadelphia. I don't think Boston's going to let them pass, but I don't know. Well, Philadelphia's hot right now. Maybe there is a chance that happens, but I honestly think the standings where they're at right now are, are pretty damn close, and I think the Knicks are still a very good team, even though I love beating them every time. I think they'll kind of hang on to that five seed, and I think we'll play Philly in the first round, and honestly, I see that series going seven games, and the Heat fan of me is going to tell you we're winning in seven. 
I also want to say I forgot to mention my right-hand man, Anthony Jafrida. I had to say that because when he listens to this, he'll kick my fucking ass. But I, I agree with Alex wholeheartedly. I think they get the six seed. They get Philly. I think I think it's Heat and six. You know, bring back the tagline, Heat and six. That'll be the playbooks at name. Don't worry about it. We'll be there. Heat and six. Um, yeah, I also kind of think the Heat are going to get the six seed. Obviously, I think a lot of it is going to end up depending on uh, the game on Saturday because – you know, they need to go a full game up on the Nets. And I think uh, Cavs-Nets play tonight, so hopefully the Cavs win. Um, the Knicks, is it's two games behind, but I don't know who would have the tiebreaker. That would be interesting. I don't know who has the tiebreaker if the Heat beat the Knicks one more time, so that would be intriguing. Uh, but the Knicks schedule is not very difficult uh, down the stretch. And so um, I'm okay with the six seed, honestly, because I think you need to avoid, avoid the Bucks as long as possible. I really do think that if you're looking to – survive and, and advance in the postseason. You need to avoid this Bucks team. Uh, they're really dangerous. And, um, you know, Alex kind of mentioned that the Celtics are an odd team. I, I agree with him. So if you get a Sixers matchup, it's obviously the Heat would not be favored in a matchup like that. But I do think Jimmy would uh, do everything in his power to beat them. Um, you'd hope Bam would be able to have some better matchups against Embiid. And who knows? Uh, we could kind of see what happens in the offseason because you guys kind of alluded to it. You know, if Harden leaves and Embiid's upset with an early exit from them, he could kind of turn the up, the NBA upside down uh, with the trade demand. So, um, guys, this has been a really good pod. We got, Jordan, we got to do it again, so hopefully you can bring on some more people from Playbook Sports. Um, I like the crossover pod. I like hearing different ideas sure. and different people. So let's do that soon. Um Guys, we will uh, just we we have some guests coming up on the uh, Random Scrub Heat podcast. I don't want to spoil it, but they are going to be good local South Florida celebrities that people um, really like and hopefully will enjoy the pod. So um, we hope to see you guys soon. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be good people. Follow basement. Follow playbook. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.